Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a little Lutheran church in the middle of Detroit where there's a stone altar framed by two red banners. If you stand in the back of the church and you look at that altar, all you see are these two panels of red. They're about 16 feet high and about two feet across. But if you start to walk down the aisle, when you get about halfway down the aisle, you see that they're not plain panels of red at all. There's, there's actually letters on them. The letters are the same color as the banner, red, and so you didn't see them at first. But when you get about halfway down the aisle, you see that the banners have letters that spell out Alleluia. So you have a stone altar framed with Alleluia. When you come on further down the aisle, the vision changes yet again, and there you see that this isn't a, a plain panel of red at all, but rather a, a weaving together of many different kinds of fabric. And when you get to the communion rail, if you look up, you see this very thin ribbon that starts at the top, comes down to the bottom, and returns to the top again. A, a ribbon of praise for God the Father who sent his Son into this world to take the torn pieces of our creation and weave them together by the Spirit in a song of Alleluia that never ends. That's what the artist intended those banners to be. That's what the artist wanted you to see. But if you go to that church in Detroit now, that's not what you'll see at all. <laughs> uh, the artist left the congregation and the women of the church were a little bit dissatisfied with the banners. They were on the altar guild and they realized that if you were in the back of the church, you couldn't see anything. They were just panels of red. I mean, you must be short-sighted, they thought. You know, I mean, you have to be halfway down the aisle before they actually say, Alleluia. Now, knowing how Lutherans like to sit in the back <laughs> and knowing how Lutherans hate to have anything that isn't clear, these women took down the banners, they got some glue, they got some glitter, and they covered all of the letters with gold. Then they got the trustees to put up some spotlights to shine on those banners. They put those banners up, they turned the spots on them, and when you walk in that church, those banners scream, Alleluia, from the front to the back of the church. It's perfectly clear. We are uncomfortable with mystery, you see. What God desires for us to see over time, we want it all at once. We want every question answered, every problem solved the day we become a Christian. And so we get out the glue and we get out the glitter and we turn on the spots and we make it so clear, but the irony is that sometimes by doing that, we miss the very thing God wants us to see. Which is why it's such a, a blessing to have this text from Matthew this morning. Because Jesus here invites you on the road of discipleship, where things will become clear over time a road of discipleship that's a dark road filled with holy conversation that will lead to Alleluia. 
And I'd like to focus on that holy conversation, on that road to Alleluia this morning. Now, I'll admit that the first time you read the text, you don't really see that invitation to discipleship. I mean, after all, this text is chock full of glory. No need to get the glitter and glue or turn on the spots. Jesus himself is the light, right? I mean, here he is. He takes his disciples, Peter, James, John, takes them up onto a mountain, and he's transfigured before them. You know what that means? His face, it shines like sun. His clothing, I don't care what color it was, his clothing at that moment is absolutely like light, as if this light coming from his body is penetrating through that fabric, so all you see is light. And there you see Elijah and Moses, and they're talking with Jesus, these, these prophets of old who talked with the Yahweh, the God of Israel, on the mountain there, on the mountain, talking with Jesus. And suddenly this cloud overshadows you. You hear the voice of God, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And then what does Jesus do with all of that glory? He wraps it all up and hides it in his flesh. Peter, James, and John, they are face down on the ground, and they are absolutely in fear. And Jesus, before he says anything, he comes and touches them. Have no fear. This glory of God will come to you in the flesh of Jesus. And they look up and all they see is Jesus. No light, no other people, just Jesus. And he takes them down that road of discipleship. And on the way down the mountain, he, he says to them, he says, do not say anything to anybody about this sight you have seen until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And I'd like you to think about that. Think about what that word of Jesus does to their discipleship. They now know something that the other disciples don't know. Matthew, who records this, he didn't see it at this time. He was down at the bottom of that mountain with the other disciples. There was some type of confrontation, argument, controversy over this man who has a child who's epileptic. He brings in the disciples, wants them to cast out the demon. The disciples can't do it. Jesus gave them power to cast out demons, and they can't do it. It almost makes you wonder if Jesus really had the power to give you to do this, right? Now, the disciples, they know the answer. Yes, he has the power. This is the Christ, the Son of the living God but they can't say it, not, not yet. And certainly there were controversies or speculation after John the Baptist died. I mean, here's this man proclaiming that the kingdom of God, the reign of God is coming here in Jesus and he's beheaded by Herod. Well, where is God in all of that? Does God see, does God hear, does God listen? The disciples know, God sees, God hears, God listens, God speaks in Jesus, but they can't say it. You see, that, that holy conversation on that road to Jerusalem, that holy conversation is filled with a difference. The difference between knowing what to say 
and knowing when to say it. And that's the difference between life and death. The disciples knew what to say. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But if they said it now, you might not get it. You might not know that this Son of God is for you. And Jesus, he wants them to know not just who he is, but what he's come to do. Because when you see what he's come to do, you will know that this Son of God is for you. Jesus knows that when you follow down that road, when you follow and you fall, when you seek him and he's gone, when you betray him, when you deny him, when you crucify him, then you will see this God in all his glory for you. Because on that day, this Jesus, whose, whose garments are white, is going to be stripped naked and hung out in the dark. On that day, this man who's, whose flesh glows like the sun is going to bleed like any other man. But on that day, this Jesus, when he dies, he will die like no other man, holy, righteous, and yet forsaken by his Father. Listen to him. Why? Have you forsaken me? And that haunting question is answered by the resurrection. Why? For you. This Jesus that you crucify, he lives, he dies, he rises for you. And today he invites you to follow him down a long road to that Alleluia. And that's a difficult journey because it's filled with trying to make that distinction between knowing what to say and knowing when to say it. And that's hard. That's very hard for us. I mean, we're here at a seminary. We learn what to say. We learn the questions that our culture is asking, the questions that people have always asked, and we learn answers. And sometimes when we learn those answers, it is absolutely glorious. I don't know if it's happened to you, but sometimes you'll be sitting there in a classroom and the professor will be lecturing, and all of a sudden he'll start talking about something that touches your life. It's like that, that classroom is a chapel. And this is the voice of God bringing healing. And sometimes that homework is, is like devotion. And, and sometimes all of this study, all of this study is like bread for a journey and light for a way. And we go out into that world knowing what to say. The question is, do we know when to say it? A parishioner stops you after service, you're in the back of the church, and, and he has a question. He says, Pastor, he says, you know, why is it that God doesn't always answer prayer? Well, you know the answer. Well, God does answer prayer according to his will, not yours. There we go. Question answered. <laughs> Problem solved, right? And you can leave him back there in the narthex. You've spoken the word of God. 
but you haven't engaged in holy conversation. You don't know why he's asking that question. You don't know how his marriage is absolutely failing. Ever since the kids went to school and his wife went back to uh, work, things have changed. She's become a a different person. He comes home at night, he cooks, and uh, she stays out with friends and she eats. When she is home, they're kind of living in separate rooms. Uh, Occasionally, they slept in separate beds, and he is afraid of that day when they live in separate homes. And he's praying, Pastor, oh God, is he, he's praying like he's never prayed before. He knows God's will. One man, one woman, one lifetime. He knows God's power through the Spirit to, to change lives, but he doesn't know, Pastor, why won't God answer this prayer? And you leave him back there in the narthex? Don't you see God's asking you to have a holy conversation, to, to, to walk that long road to an alleluia he can't even see? I remember having a conversation with a parishioner who who had made it to the end of that journey and saw that alleluia and shared it with me. Her name was Ruth. She was um, dying of cancer in a public hospital in Chicago in a Medicaid bed. And I was visiting her. I had brought my communion kit and I had a devotion that I was going to share with her. And I got into the room and she had another conversation altogether. I sat down and and she started talking to me and in the conversation she said, Pastor, God chastens those he loveth. Isn't that right, Pastor? God chastens those he loveth. Now I know what she was doing. I mean, this is Hebrews 12, verse 6, right? It's not exactly the the verse I was going to have a meditation on that morning. And actually, Hebrews 12, chapter 6, the Lord, 12, verse 6, the Lord disciplines those he loves. That sounds a lot better when it's stuck there in my Bible, not when it's on the lips of this woman who's dying. But I had to answer. And I said, Ruth, yes, that is true. And she smiled. And she said, then God must really love me because I'm in an awful lot of pain. And I reached out and I touched her and I said, Ruth, the Lord does love you. (laughs) And when I served her communion, as I think back about it now, we were there at that altar. She had made that long, dark journey and she saw her Savior and that alleluia that nothing in this world could take away. And she shared it with me, her pastor, who was having trouble seeing it that day. (laughs) You know, I went back to that congregation. Uh, I got to see those banners at that congregation in Detroit. I was invited to preach there for their 75th anniversary. Uh, They picked me up at the airport. It was late in the afternoon, drove me by the church to drop off my robe and um, see the sanctuary. And as we were leaving, my host, she said to me, she said, oh, pastor, I'm going to go turn off the lights. And then she said, oh, wait, pastor, I want you to see this. So we're standing there at the back of the narthex. 
and there's this panel of lights, and she puts her arm over all of them so she can click them all off at once, right? And we're looking at the sanctuary, and the sanctuary that's filled with brilliant light in a minute just suddenly becomes black. Except there's this after image of Alleluia that, that hangs there in the air. And she says to me, that's my favorite part. And I think we know what she means, huh? When you've been in that holy conversation on that dark road, you know what it's like to trust in an alleluia when you can't even see it there. So tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. Tomorrow Lent begins today. We close our celebration of the Transfiguration, and we do it by singing a farewell to alleluia, not in despair, but in hope. Because tomorrow, Jesus will come, and he will take us down that long road to a stone altar framed with alleluias that will never die. Amen. <laughs>